Welcome to episode 16 of Crossroads of Destiny and Avatar The Last Airbender Universe podcast. Right now we're talking about every episode of Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender one at a time. I'm Chad Hopkins and I'm joined by my co-host Melanie and Andrew Grant. How's it going guys? Pretty good. Busy. Yeah. Busy and tired. Yeah. My summer is officially over. Yeah. I, yeah I'm teaching, is. which is, it, it, it's fine. It's going good. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, it's more normal now than it was last year, yeah. the whole year. I and hope that lasts for you. Cause... I hope so, too. Like, we, we have a normal band set up at the moment. And yes, we're having to wear masks pretty much all the time when we're not playing our instruments. But uh, at least everybody's in person. And I'm not having to, like, yell at people on the computer to turn on their camera. Right. <laughs> And That's all those like, extra weird stresses yeah. that were part of last year's school year. Yeah. So everybody wear a mask, please. And uh, please. we can get past this sooner. But anyways, we're here to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, there's just a little bit of news that I didn't prep y'all on at all before we started recording. This is, I, I want to say insignificant because of reasons. They announced the cast for the Netflix live action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender this week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not actors that any of us know by name. Right. I'll read their names just for the sake of recognizing them. Sure. Gordon Cormier is playing Aang. Kiawintio Tarbell is playing Katara. Ian Owsley is playing Sokka. And Dallas Liu, Liu, Liu is playing Zuko. <laughs> so uh, we've got our, our main forecast, but. The reason I say this is of some insignificance is because the original show creators have still departed from the project. Oh, right, right, and right, so right, right. We, And so we just Netflix don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's Netflix doing what Netflix is going to do. Yeah. And uh, we've already talked about the last time they went off book, <laughs> making an Avatar The Last Airbender adaptation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll watch it and we'll talk about it when it comes out. But I, I don't personally have a whole lot of excitement, except for the fact that at least this casting looks appropriately diverse. Nice. Well, that's good, at least. Yeah. That, like, when, when are we s- scheduled to do the original movie on the podcast? That is a good question. I know we can talk about it, and we can also see if any listeners have any input, because the movie, The Last Airbender by M. Night Shyamalan, covers the first season of the show. and. Hmm. After this episode that we're talking about today, we have three episodes left of season one. <gasps> oh my God, we we're are, getting episode. to the end. We are real close to the end of book one, Water, and uh, we, can, we can talk about it and we'll see. And like I said, we're interested in hearing what everybody else who's listening has to say and what your opinion would Gotta be. rip that band-aid off. <laughs> I know, you guys have been talking about... I really about- want to do it. Yeah. Like, I want to do it. Yeah. Just to like see all of the joy drain out of melanie's face oh my god <laughs> I, I have watched it exactly one time and and never and that that was generous <laughs> right so i mean we'll, we'll see as we get closer over I these mean, next few weeks i'm impartial to this whole process oh my goodness I, it would be nice to finally be on the same page with you guys on the amount of hatred that you have for this movie i, I think we probably should cover it as soon as we finish season one because like we're that. not going yeah. to want to talk about it after we've gotten through the greatness of the rest of the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no no and, and especially at, right after i mean are we I guess my biggest question is: It like bonus episode material, or is are we? That, that's going to be into... a, a proper episode. Okay. Yeah, now, because that's what we talked about. Okay. Whether it's going to be like 
analysis of everything that went wrong or if it's going to just be a full on roast session <laughs> is uh, we'll, we'll see. I like how those are the only options. <laughs> those are pretty much the only options, I think. <laughs> Are we just going to talk about why it's wrong or are we going to roast it like comedically? (laughs) So all that said, we have the cast. Check them out. They look fine for the parts and we'll see what happens with Netflix going forward. They have Chad's approval. It's all fine. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) Okay. So we are here to talk about book one, chapter 17 of the show. It is titled The Northern Air Temple, directed once again by Dave Filoni. We like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Written by Elizabeth Welch. It aired on November 4th of 2005 and was animated by DR Movie. And it is, uh, it featured, I'm having to wing a summary because I didn't type one up. <gasps> I just realized. The audacity. <laughs> How unprepared of you. I, I know. Oops. It does hurt my soul every time you announce the air date just in case you were wondering yeah 16 because years ago like, yeah <laughs> thanks for that because <laughs> i do remember the release dates <laughs> because that's when i was watching them yeah i mean i wasn't at that point in time so i i guess it doesn't make me well the time in general thinking <laughs> back to 2005 it's like i'm teaching middle school and that was when we were in middle school yeah but anyways <laughs> uh so real general summary of this episode we're still on our way to the Northern Water Tribe, uh, so Aang can find a waterbending master. Spoiler, that's the ne- aim of the next episode. And on the way, we hear talk of airwalkers that have been seen recently. Mm-hmm. And so Aang gets super excited, and they make a stop by the Northern Air Temple and see what's up. So... That, that's the setup, at least, for this episode. And this was the first I've watched this episode in a while. I mean, we've already talked about how long it's been since I last watched it, which was last year sometime. Mm -hmm. And I didn't remember all the details of it, Mm -hmm. but I did think it was strange when they were listening to like the folk tales around the campfire that he referred to them as air walkers rather than airbenders. Mm -hmm. And this is before I even had any remembrance of what was coming next initially. Did that stand out to you at all, Melanie? No, not really. I, I've thought it might have been just a different name that they had for, Mm airbenders so a little flavor a little flavor added to what they were what they were calling airbenders to make the story still yeah it's a little more folksy oh yeah yeah. Yeah. there you go i mean because obviously he was panhandling Mm -hmm. yeah it sounds more mystical yeah yeah but then knowing what was coming and hearing the storyteller tell ang that great grandpappy saw the airwalkers just last week and seeing that reaction in ang's face it when I watched it the other day, it didn't so much tonight, but the, the other day it made me emotional because yeah. this, this is Aang getting confirmation, question mark, that yeah. there's still airbenders out there and they've been seen recently. This is twice yeah. now, right? Well, when they made the stop at the first air temple back in episode three, mm-hmm. he, was, he was hopeful. He was hopelessly naive. Right. He, he, he was like, well, yeah, it's been a long time, but that doesn't mean they're gone, gone. Maybe they're just hiding. And then we saw how that resulted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this time, I don't think he had any hope that there was going to be anybody at the Northern Air Temple. I don't think that was necessarily a stop they were going to make. But for somebody to say, oh, yeah, I saw Airwalkers last week. And yeah, for because the- even when he asked the question, it was he was wanting to know more about how they knew about. Mm-hmm. He was thanking air, them. Yeah. Air, airbenders of, of old. Mm-hmm. He wanted more of their information about what was going on in the Northern Air Temple. Because that would be 
he he's assuming it's around the same time that he would have known them. Mm-hmm. He's not asking like, oh, they're still there, right? He's asking like, oh, tell me more about this because he must have seen them. Right. When, like he might have known people I knew. Mm-hmm. But that obviously, you know, he was just like, no, we, we saw him last week. And so now that kind of shifts his, his mentality of like, they're, they're still, there might be somebody there so right you're you're right I, w- I would definitely agree with the assessment that he didn't really have much hope that he didn't go in thinking that this story was relevant was like recent. present yeah. yeah but then that is suddenly introduced into his thought process maybe i'm not the only one after all maybe i'm not the last airbender and they are approaching the northern air temple on appa and we see we see people on air gliders that look just like Aang's from Mm -hmm. a distance. And there's that momentary spark of joy. And he instantly realizes that it's, it's not the real deal. Mm -mm. And did you have, did you have any expectation of being your first time, Melanie, over whether there was going to be any airbenders? I thought for a second there was going to be. Mm -hmm. Did the, the, did the fakies have you fooled for any moment until Aang realized that it wasn't real? No, no, no. But I guess because he was so hopeful, I was kind of hopeful for him. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, super crestfallen whenever he realized that that's not the technique that they use. It's it was different. Yeah, he says tell. they have no spirit. They have no spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sokka never had the hope that there were going to be. <laughs> Sokka never had the hope that there were going to be airbenders. He a- actually calls Katara an optimist, which uh, he equates with being a liar. liar yeah. Yeah, so Sokka was never hopeful. Katara was hopeful, but I don't think she necessarily 100% thought there were going to be airbenders. She was just like, you know what, maybe, maybe. And yeah, all that, all that is for naught. But Aang does get into a show-off match with a glider who we eventually learn is named Teo. And uh, we find out after their little show-off session that he's a paraplegic. He's wheelchair-bound. Mm-hmm. And we go on, we eventually meet his father, who doesn't have an official name, actually. Um, I just realized that, actually. It's so funny that you mentioned it, because, of course, we watch everything with subtitles, because Mm -hmm. of me. And whenever he was speaking, and he wasn't on on scene, his name was just Dad. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I guess they're not just going to give him a name at all. That's Yeah, I think he's usually referred to as the mechanist, or sometimes the machinist, but that's the only name we have for him. So Teo tells us that the gliders were invented by his father, and as they start to explore this this site of Aang's former people, we see how industrialized the place has become and overrun with this emergent technology. There's pipes everywhere, mm-hmm. the water's polluted, mm-hmm. ancient art is defaced, maybe not defaced, but it, it's not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. What I thought was even worse is that because Aang is the last one, this was all supposed to be sort of like a, li- a standing memorial of Aang's people, and it's being destroyed. Yeah. And that's the issue that Aang really takes up with everything. He was very angry this episode for the first mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. He, he doesn't quite go into the... The Avatar state. Yeah, yeah, into the Avatar state because of some sort of emotional breakdown, like the last Air Temple. But he does throw off a sort of wrecking ball that they use to tear down a wall right in front of his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, it was kind of weird to see him shift into almost a Sokka role of being angsty and pessimistic mm-hmm. when everybody's wanting to, like Sokka and Katara are wanting kind of to learn more about the area and how they are doing what they're doing, living up there mm-hmm. with all of the the inventions. They 
have curiosity, whereas Aang doesn't. He he's pretty upset with everything that he's seeing, and he he kind of mentions it with the little snide comments here and there. Yeah, he says this is unbelievable, and Teo says, "Yeah, I know, isn't it great?" And he says, "No, just unbelievable, just unbelievable." Yeah. 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 So he was like kind of snarky, pretty mm-hmm. pretty good. I mean, I would be too. I would be pretty pissed off. And so we get the the story from Teo's father of how this place came to be the way it is now. He says that. They were refugees. They escaped from a flood in which the wife was killed and Teo became a paraplegic. And he came across these gliders and decided to build them as a way to give his son the freedom that he wasn't going to have on land anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was really touching and it gave some legitimacy to what he was doing to the sacred place. Melanie didn't buy it for a second. No. Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, she did say, what did you say he was at some point? Scammers. A I scammer. Down. Yeah. Cause he was just like, we're refugees. And she's like, scammers. <laughs> that is, I mean, not like immediately. Oh my like, gosh. That is not even remotely the order that that went in. She's like, <laughs> like, yeah, we found this place and now we live here. And she's just like, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> was I right though? I mean, yeah. Well, his story was legit, but it was legit. But he was sneaky. There was yeah, something else. She, we find a dark side. It. Yeah, she she smelled something yeah, else. Yeah, she smelled that something that was point. off. And I was just like, I guess at first I was just like, no, no, he's a <laughs> refugee. He built something for his son. God, no faith. <laughs> and then of course, yeah, we find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Teo takes him. Maybe takes you're right. Yeah, Teo takes Aang to the special door that at the previous air temple led, it could only be opened by an airbender, and it led to the room with all the statues of Aang's past lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Teo says, nobody has been in this room because nobody can get in this room. And so it's the only place here that has that is completely untouched by my father and anything else. Well, Aang originally says, you know, okay, well, then, then it's going to stay that way. way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really admire that. Mm-hmm. But after he gets to, know Teo a little bit more and realize that he does have a little bit of the airbender spirit that he thought he was lacking initially. And Katara also gets a taste of what freedom the air offers Mm -hmm. versus being bound to land uh, gives you. So Aang says, you know what, Teo, let's go check out the secret room. And lo and behold, (laughs) unfortunately, (laughs) firebender weapons or fire nation weapons. How did they open the doors? I would assume they blasted in from another way. Another way. I was like, doors are solid. There's a, there was like a hole in the roof or something. Yeah, like that. maybe maybe like climbed on top and mm. descended in or something. Didn't I tell you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sneaky but, sneakerson. Okay, so this this raises a really interesting moral question because Teo's father started making weapons for the Fire Nation mm-hmm. as what he saw necessity to protect the life he had built for himself and for his son and for his people. So. It's almost like the the old moral question of stealing bread to feed your family. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys stand on him doing the right thing versus doing the wrong thing versus protecting his family? That kind of thing. Well, it goes it goes with our beliefs in that any form of killing aided or done directly is not okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I'm sure it's not going to be so black and white as I'm how I'm going to say it. But for me, any aiding and taking somebody else's life or something else's life 
isn't ever going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So I feel that the person who makes the weapon is just as responsible. Okay. Andrew, what about you? I I mean, ultimately, yes, that is, I, I, I agree with that. The only thing I can say is I also understand where he's coming from because at this point, everything's talking long game. Right. He isn't expecting the Avatar to come around anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Been gone for a hundred years already. This war's been going on for a very long time with no real end in sight. And so if it meant for him and the people around him that he could at least delay for their lifetime mm-hmm. any kind of repercussions from the Fire Nation... I understand the logic behind that. Right. And I, I agree with bo- what both of you are saying as well. What I do appreciate is that when he's presented with the wrongness of what he's doing, I don't, I don't think he saw the wrongness originally. I think he saw it as protecting his family, evil. protecting his people, maintaining the space that they are stewards of at mm-hmm. the moment. But then when he gives it to him, again, so black and white, this is wrong. And even his son is like, explain yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, he, he's really quick to turn and say, I'm going to help you guys defend this place from the Fire Nation and to, to offer his services to the people who really need it, which aren't the ones who are trying to take over the world. What about that last look that he gave at oh. the end of the episode, I, though? I have that as a planned discussion. I'm glad you mentioned it. I'm glad you noticed it. Uh, of course I, I yeah. noticed it. <laughs> Cut to guilty face. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he knows. He knows what he's made. He knows what he's aided with. Well, let's talk about the things that he has supplied the Fire Nation with. Because up to this point, we've seen them riding rhinos and carrying spears and, yes, firebending. How about those tanks? Tanks. They've got tanks. And and, and, and sophisticated tanks. Like yeah. Wall climbing. They can't be knocked over. Flip your biscuit. Yeah. Tanks. They're really impressive. And we've never seen the Fire Nation with this kind of sophistication, sophistication, this kind of we've never seen the Fire Nation with tech like this before. Mm -hmm. Actual tanks that can't be knocked over or destroyed easily. Mm -hmm. Um, We see some really impressive waterbending from Katara. We see how her self-practice has improved her Mm -hmm. technique Mm -hmm. in a big way. We see her freezing one tank into pieces and causing one to... go into the air and fall on its side so that it can't flip over. Right. Um, which is really great, but still there's 10, 12 more that just continue climbing the mountain. Yeah. That had to have been a bummer. But one thing that the fire nation hadn't gotten control of yet because he hadn't perfected the design yet was a war balloon. And so they get to, to use the war balloon to, as Aang says, control the skies, which is the one thing the fire nation doesn't have access to can't do. And they use it to great effect. They, they drop some bombs on them, some slime bombs, because Nickelodeon. <laughs> um, but then we get, to see, we get to see a lot of great Sokka stuff in this episode, too, and his, his innovations mm-hmm. in perfecting yeah. the war balloon and then using the engine of the war balloon to uh, create a legitimate bomb to, to cause the Fire Nation to retreat. Yeah, it's a, that vein of natural gas that's mm-hmm. underneath the, the air temple. Right. Then that leads into the, the big, big elephant in the room is the balloon wasn't destroyed when it lost its engine. Mm-hmm. It slowly descended to the ground, and now the Fire Nation has it. And the, the guy in charge says, this defeat is the gateway to many victories. Yeah. And yeah. so here we are, 
Aang is celebrating the fact that the one thing the Fire Nation doesn't have the advantage in is the air. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case for much longer. Right. Because he, he literally <laughs> says, as long as we have the skies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just like immediately it sinks in and you're like but then oh, they have a balloon don't. yeah but you don't they man. don't <laughs> you're, you're you're about to not especially since like their their control of the skies is a bunch of people who have learned how to hang glide like they're not airbenders mm-hmm. they're not flying Yang's made quite the point of that right so they don't really have control of the skies mm-hmm. they can manipulated to some degree for their advantage but Mm -hmm. their air prowess quote-unquote isn't isn't well set in the first place no by the end of the episode it's immediately upheaved right ang and appa and the war balloon were the only like actual air advantages they had right so as the episode comes to a close ang comes around to teo and the people being there he says teo has a spirit of an airbender which i'm sure means a lot to someone who is limited in his land mobility yeah and ang recognizes by the end that yes the air temple is different now and it's been changed from the way ang remembers it when he was visiting as a kid but it's still there and it's still there because teo and his people look after it and it has a new purpose now rather than sitting abandoned and i I think that's a really mature circle for ang to come to by the end of the episode yeah that there's that he compares them to the the hermit crab Mm-hmm. That they found this shell and were able to make it to their home, it right? Because home. even though it it was serving as sort of a memorial for his people, it it's not like people were coming on museum tours of the Northern Air Temple every day. Right. It was just sitting there, and so for it to actually serve a purpose now and to still exist and to not have been overrun by the Fire Nation because other people are looking after it, it's it's a good thing. That brings us to the look, mm-hmm. and. What is y'all's interpretation of the look? Because I mean, he already he He already already knew. He already knew that the balloon didn't get destroyed. I feel. Or this is prototype seventeen that he's already tried to send over to the Fire Nation. Mm. I had a slightly different interpretation. I, I I reasoned that he probably doesn't know that the war balloon didn't get destroyed and that they now have it. I reasoned that I think he has more that he's invented that we haven't seen yet. Ooh. Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He just know yeah. he just knows I mean, more. He knows more and he's not sharing, which is slimy. Yeah, the things that we saw in this episode were what gave the Fire Nation the best tactical advantage for climbing a literal mountain mm-hmm. up to the air temple. And so when we're in a different environment and there's not a mountain to climb, who knows what else he's made for them that is now going to be empowering the fire nation even further i mean yeah when the when the when the dude from the fire nation showed up it was old hat you know not to keep me waiting mm-hmm. you know like it's this is he's got like his own conveyor belt yeah like, <laughs> like this isn't the first his time own entrance yeah. yeah like you know give us what you you owe us and apparently i mean it's it's blackmail essentially so it's never going to not be quote-unquote owed to the fire nation because as soon as they stop there's no reason for them to not attack them and just take over, you know. Right. Because at that point now he's become such a liability of if you can build weapons for your enemy, mm-hmm. when they stop, you know, having that power over you, what's to say that you're not going to 
immediately turn around and develop weapons for the people who are not attacking you. Right. So, I mean, he's a liability no matter what. So as soon as he stops, they're coming for him. So I think the look had a lot to do with the fact that the war balloon or whatever tip of the iceberg. Yeah. We've only seen the beginning of yeah. what he has given to the fire nation. And right. yes, he's, he's probably done with, well, I'd assume he's done doing more development for them at this point, but it might just be too late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, we stopped doing the traditional predictions the last episode, but I do want to ask Melanie, was there anything that surprised you or that you didn't necessarily expect in this episode? I mean, he, did he learn a skill? Well, no, no, he did Does not that surprise you. Though? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to say so. We saw Ang do the same move twice in this episode. The first time it was to show off to Teo and be like, Look what I can do because I'm a real oh, airbender. Yeah, with his orb. Yeah, he, he jumps off his glider and runs along the side of one of the towers mm-hmm. and then forms the, the air ball that he that, that's the trick he created and then jumps back onto his glider and flies off. We see him later do that when the Fire Nation is invading and he goes along the ledge of the mountain and piles snow onto them mm-hmm. below. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's nice to see that Aang has the, the, the playful show off side, but those same tactics can be weaponized in a way. I mean, not really a weapon because he's an airbender, but you know right. what I mean? They, yeah. They, they form a, def- they're, they're both, they're, the defense. they're cute mm-hmm. and they're defensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else about this episode that we wanted to highlight, even if it's just like a moment or, I mean, we, we sort of skipped over the lighthearted funny stuff. (laughs) Gravity. Oh yeah. (laughs) I wrote that. I I laugh at gravity all the time. (laughs) Gravity. Gravity. (laughs) That is just Uh, such a joke for you guys to soak up. You would laugh at it. Chef's kiss. (laughs) Really? Okay. Well, that does lead us into what, the next episode is and as i said there's only three episodes left of the book water yeah and the next episode is titled the waterbending master i mean if we don't get some type of skill learning in this next episode i might just leave the podcast i'm so over it okay i won't leave the podcast but (laughs) yeah we do it in our house (laughs) (laughs) you're not gonna allowed to come over oh okay okay no no it I'm just, I'm excited to see what it will lead to. Is it a two-parter? No, no but not. the one after that is a two-parter. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So there's three more episodes left of the season. The next is tied to Waterbending Master. Do you have any guesses or assumptions about the Waterbending Master? Do you think it's in the Northern uh, Water Tribe? Do you think it's on the way still? I think we're on the way still. What I want to say, he's like a recluse of some sort, kind of like the Fire Nation deserter. Zhang Zhang. Zhang Zhang, yeah. I don't know why. Okay. I feel like these masters don't like company of others. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And since we're at the end of the season, I, I, I don't know how to phrase this question. We're at the end of the season that we know is titled Water. Are we going to go into Earth next? Yes. That's going to be season two. But. I'm trying to think of how to, f- I've got a question, but I don't know how to phrase it. Okay. We're at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They're about to meet the waterbending master that they've been working towards this whole time. What do you think that means for Aang's training? Well, like, yeah. I mean, we're not meeting the waterbending master halfway through the season. We're meeting him at the well, end. No, he has a very, uh, seems like a very small window of time mm-hmm. for him to be mm-hmm. able to learn this. Right. Before. Um, I don't know. 
I'm not trying to lead you towards anything. I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm just I asking just keep questions. Thinking, my brain keeps also splitting to that. Katara is going to also want to learn as much as she can. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there might be a rift of some sort. I think that's a really good thing to think about. Astute. Okay. Well, um, if we don't have any other like things to mention for this episode, I don't think so. uh, that is the end of the 16th episode of Crossroads of Destiny. Wow. Uh, yeah. 16th episode. And uh, we only you, have you a know few what more. We didn't talk about what the fact that Homeboy has a alarm for when that door was open. Oh yeah, he he's got some advanced stuff. He he also had the the six o candle. Uh, oh uh, yeah, timing candles yeah. that tell him what time of day it like, is. Snap. What's it called? But I thought Spark it was powder. crazy. It was just like not only has he found his way into this supposedly sealed off part of the air temple. He was with Sokka when Aang opened the door, mm-hmm. and he had something set up in his office to tell him that. Because when he was just like, oh, I've got to go. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess I missed was, that. And he tried to leave Sokka. Yeah. It's because yeah. he went to figure out what was going on in that room. So yeah, he and- knew no one was supposed to be in there. And even for a door that apparently no one can open, he has something triggered in his office when it was yeah you know what i'm really glad you mentioned this actually i I hadn't thought to make this a talking point but we haven't seen this kind of industrialization at all in this universe this is Mm -hmm. the most advanced that we've seen everything we've seen has been made of animal clothing like for the the water bending or the water nation clothing and the the ships are made of wood and i mean the the fire nation seems to have i think metal ships yeah and i think they're they're there's pieces of metal like yeah it's a, like they, they, they've smelted them together with a, heat yeah. and i yeah. think theirs is i guess you can say the most advanced when it comes to having any kind of resemblance to what they had in the northern mm-hmm. air temple like they have right now which kind of makes sense mm-hmm. if they're getting all their supplies from the mechanic guy mm-hmm. but we see we see pipes in this episode mm-hmm. we see pipes. uh pollution we see smog we, we see a lot. I mean, I, I guess it, that's a commentary sort of in and of itself. Yes, Aang comes to the conclusion that it's okay for these people to be here and to be looking after this place. But it's also, I think it's Teo's father who says sometimes progress gets in our way or something to that effect. Like, I can't remember exactly how he phrases it, but he says progress gets past us. It's when he, they, we first meet him. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I just want, definitely wanted to bring that up, especially since it, it might also beg the question that he has access through that door himself in some way. He says, unfortunately, progress has a way of getting away from us. Hmm. Has a way of getting away from us. Yeah, it's a response to what Aang says. Aang says, nature knows where to stop. And then he agrees with that point. Yeah, he He's agrees. Like, yeah, and, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, he, he says, you know what, maybe I am taking this too far. Yeah. So... I just think that's an interesting thing to ponder. I don't know if mm-hmm. they're making like a, a definitive statement one way or another on industrialization or pollution or anything like that. But it is something to to witness here is that this place certainly isn't as beautiful as it used to be. Right. And I, well, I think Aang is trying to make that point, mm-hmm. but it's solely because he's an air nomad. Mm-hmm. And that is a thousand percent their way of life is... Being one with nature. Being one with nature, doing as little as possible to affect or harm nature in any way. Mm-hmm. And the, there's also the, the super uh, pacifist aspect mm-hmm. of, of, the air, of the air nomads as well. And the fact that like nothing really should be impeding or nothing really should be permanent. 
Mm-hmm. There's there should be like you take what you what you absolutely need and everything else is to be left, you know, alone. And for anyone who has any kind of industrial mindset, that that doesn't really cope well. So mm-hmm. I think Ang was trying to make the point that like nature is its own industry and it's figuring you know it knows when to stop. It grows where it can and lingers where it should and things like that. But when it when you have that human element in it there's there's a harsher drive and definitely more damage done in the long run right. so i think to see the air temple an air temple producing pollution mm-hmm. is just not okay yeah in in ang's mind and that's where he's really trying to get with get with that yeah or get the point that he's trying to make with that yeah so i'm i'm glad we we mentioned the industrialization side of things because yes we talked about teo's father knowing that there's probably more coming from the fire nation. But what that also means is that this, this world is getting industrialized further mm-hmm. and yeah, I'll leave it at that. So with that, that's the end of the 16th episode of crossroads of destiny. Thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. If you want to reach out and contact us, you can find us on facebook.com slash pod, or even better xroads pod on Twitter. Please go over to Apple podcasts, rate review, subscribe. It's free and it really helps us with exposure and expanding our audience. If you have any longer form feedback or ideas that you want to send to us, please reach out xroadspot at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail, 3145-YIP-YIP. That is 314-594-7947. If you keep it around a minute, we are likely to include it on the show. And all those contact methods would be great ways for you to reach out and tell us what you think about this episode, about the end of the season, about upcoming thoughts on Shyamalan's The Last Airbender movie. <laughs> Uh, we, we'd love to hear from you guys. Melanie, where can people find you online? They can find me on Instagram, MelanieAmanda44. Okay. And Andrew, the best place to reach him is through all the official podcast contact methods, or you can contact Melanie or I. The best place to find me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. You can find my other podcasts. There's the Cinescope podcast about movies we love and why we love them on Twitter at Cinescope Pod or the CinescopePodcast.com. And then my podcast about The Office called An American Workplace. You can find at WorkplacePod or WorkplacePodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at XRoadsPod.com. That's it, everybody. Thanks once again for listening. We will talk to you in episode 17 when we talk about book one, chapter 18, The Waterbending Master. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.